nights well listen you, you you we are in for a real blessing tonight I'm reading these you know I'm, I'm about to introduce uh, Pastor Robert Madu I'm reading these things that you know these kind of bios that they say about a guy so they say all kind of great things he, he's from Trinity Church in Cedar Hill Texas which is a great church and pa Pastor Robert preaches all around the world he's married he just had a new new baby girl huh come on give it up for that congratulations But then they have down here, fashion fanatic. Now listen, Robert, there can only be one trendsetter in Jacksonville. All right, I'm just, we're gonna, we, you know what I'm saying? I, I got, I'll tell you how to really go to the next level after. My church knows I'm a mannequin shopper. I see what's, whatever's on the mannequin, I say, give me that one. That's that's what's, what's in, I, I got it. But, uh, you know, you know, uh, when I was out, uh, out out at Hillsong, I, I, I was speaking out there, and I just uh, got out there, and it was after, it was in the fall, it was after their conference, and everyone there was just raving and raving about Robert Madu. And so uh, I've, I've watched Robert and heard things about him from afar, but I'm telling you what you're going to see in this young man is you're going to see a man that is just full of the Holy Spirit and full of God and has an amazing gift on his life. And... And an amazing heart for young people that we love here at Celebration. Man, I was surprised we got we, we got a two-for-one tonight because we got Madhu Sr. in the house. So give it up for Robert's father. Come on, Celebration Church. I want you to give the best welcome you can. Come on for Pastor Robert Madhu. Well, come on, if you love Jesus tonight, come on, let's give him some praise in the building. Come on, celebration, you can do better than that. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Before you take your seat, before you take your seat, high five at least three people and tell them it's on tonight. It's, it's on tonight. At least three people. Tell them it's on tonight. Woo! Anybody excited to be at Awakening Night? I, I, I got to tell you, um, I, I'm not just excited to be here. Uh, I am Red Bull excited. I am espresso elated. You, you got to understand. Uh, I've been hearing about Celebration Church and all the phenomenal things God has been doing here for years. I've been hearing about it. People have been telling me, Robert, you have not preached anywhere until you've preached at Celebration Church. It's true. It's true. So I'm just, I I'm glad I can finally go to heaven, a happy chocolate brother, because I have made it to Jacksonville, Florida. Come on, somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing, and I'll tell you, the rumors are so true to see with my eyes all the phenomenal things uh, God is doing here, and especially on these awakening nights. How many of you know this is not ordinary? Th th this is extraordinary. I think uh, one of the worst things you can do is whenever God does something magnificent, uh, you treat it mundane and ordinary. And I'm telling you, to see the people of God in the house of God on a Friday night, come on, somebody. Something is going to happen in this place 
And uh, I found out great churches don't happen by accident. Uh, they happen because of the grace and the favor of God and uh, also because of great leadership, great leadership. And I just want to thank God right now for your pastor, for Pastor Stovall. Come on. And for his wife, he is a leader of leaders. Come on, it doesn't get any better than him. Come on, can we show honor to where honor is due tonight? Come on, celebration. Let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. Come on, you could do better than that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He does have some swag, mannequin shopping. I love that. And say, how blessed you are. You got Pastor Stovall as your pastor. You had Channing Tatum leading worship here on the... Is it Matt? He looks just phenomenal. First of all, can we thank God for the worship team just leading us into the presence of God? Absolutely amazing. And uh, I, I bring you greetings all the way from Dallas, Texas. And uh, I'm telling you, a part of a phenomenal church there, Trinity Church, as was mentioned. I've been married now. I've been married now for two years, four months, three days, six hours, four minutes, and 22 seconds. Uh, to the finest woman on the planet. Her name is Taylor Madu. I think she's watching online. Hey, baby, how you doing? And uh, sh she's at home. She's at home uh, taking care of our beautiful baby girl. I'm, I've been a father for four months now, people. Got a little bass in my voice. <laughs> and... Uh, you know how some rookie parents are. You know how some rookie parents are. As soon as you have a kid, you think your kid is the most beautiful kid in the world, and you're always putting up pictures of your kid because you want everybody to see your kid. Come on, Celebration. I would not do that to you. I am not that dad. I made a promise I would not do that. I'm not going to usurp an opportunity to preach the gospel to put a picture of my baby girl up there. I'm just, you don't have to worry about that. We good. We cool. I'm lying. Real quick. Can y'all put my daughter on the screen? I just want you to see. Come on, somebody. It's my beautiful baby girl. Come on, people. I made that. I made that. <laughs> so fatherhood is the best hood. I'm just loving being a dad. Uh, her name is Everly Adair Madu, and we just call her Evie. And uh, it's, it's awesome. But I am thankful to have my pops with me, granddaddy. Help me thank God one more time for my father, Robert Madu Sr. And... Uh, if, if we can, I, I really want to jump straight into the Word of God because I really feel like the atmosphere has already been set in this place today as you've been prioritizing the beginning of this year to seek the Lord. And uh, I told Pastor Stovall, I was like, man, I don't know if he didn't like me or something to make me follow Perry Noble and Stephen Furtick. Come on, how many of you been enjoying every night? I know they just tore it up. But... uh I do believe God has given me something that's not just going to be for tonight, but really you're going to be able to carry with you uh, for the rest of this year. Amen. Uh, do, you, do you have a Bible with you? I want to jump straight to the Word. You got a Bible? Come on, if you got a Bible, wave it in the air like you just do care. Come on, it's a Bible, church. I love it. Some of your Bibles are glowing. That's amazing. <laughs> if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Numbers 11 tonight. Numbers 11, 1 through 6. And I also want to look at John chapter 6. 30 through 35. Numbers 11, 1 through 6, and John chapter 6, 30 through 35. Uh, well, while you're trying to find it, how many of you never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you never heard me? Oh, Lord, that's everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I probably don't have to say this in celebration, but just quick disclaimer, quick disclaimer. Uh, you know, there are some preachers who are 
uh, very calm and very quiet and very stoic and sedate as they stand behind the pulpit to softly pontificate the processes of philosophy, eschatology, and soteriology. And they would consider it uncanny and boisterous for you to say anything while they're sharing what the Lord has deposited in the deep recesses of their heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Um, I'm not one of those preachers, okay? <laughs> I'm going to let you know tonight. Uh, I'm what you call a holler back preacher, okay? All that, all that means is I preach better and shorter. Come on, somebody. When you get responsive and say things like, come on with it and preach that and mm, that was good. I mean, you can stand up in the middle. You can literally stand up in the middle and go, whoo, that was for me. <laughs> you can stand up in the middle and go, whoo, that was for you. Any one of those will work tonight. Just don't get quiet on the preacher. Numbers 11, 1 through 6. When you got to say, yeah. yeah. It says, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it. and His anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place to Bera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. Intense craving. Come on, somebody. Last day of the fast. Some of you can relate. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? <laughs> we remember. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers. The melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. I should not have read this text <laughs> in the middle of a fast. Verse 6 says, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. A quick uh, background of the text. This is during an interesting time in the children of the history of Israel uh, where God has done a magnanimous miracle, okay? He, he has split the Red Sea. Uh, they are now en route to the promised land. They've been emancipated from the chains of Egypt. They're en route to the place that God has prepared for them. But watch this. En route to the promised land, they say, Lord, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to slavery. And here's why they want to go back. So they can get some meat, some fish, some leeks, I don't even know what that is, and some onions. This is why they want to go back to slavery. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first Hunger Games right here in the Bible. How in the world could you want to go back to slavery just to get some meat? But isn't it interesting sometimes when God does an awakening or does something powerful in your life, how easy it is to have that human proclivity to go back to the very thing that God brought you out of. They were, they, were, they were sick of the manna, the manna, which was the bread that came down from heaven. Real quick, one more scripture, and then we're done. John 6, 30, 35. John 6, 30 to 35. They were sick of the manna, which is the bread that came down from heaven. Listen to what it says. Therefore they said to him, that him is Jesus, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Hashtag, y'all don't even know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Can somebody say amen up in here? I want to preach. I want to preach a little while tonight, just using it as a subject. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Look at your neighbor one more time like they got an attitude with you. And say, neighbor... Whatever you do, just keep walking. Come on, that neighbor was stuck up. They don't want to talk to you. Find another neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Even when awakening ends, whatever you do, just keep walking. Come on, if you believe God's going to speak to you, give him some praise in here. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. For your presence I sense in here already tonight. God, we give you permission to do whatever you want to do in this place. Lord, those words are more than just a song. We surrender. Have your way. God, when we leave here tonight, let us not say we were just entertained. But God, let us say we were drastically changed. And somebody who loves Jesus, say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. Celebration Church, in the not-too-distant past... I had a moment in church that I will never forget. Have you ever had a moment in church that you will never forget? I was preaching at a conference, a youth conference in Fort Smith, Arkansas. There I was just doing what I do, preaching from Genesis all the way to the maps in the back. <laughs> when all of a sudden I noticed in the middle of my sermon, a young man in the back of the auditorium stood up while I was preaching. Now, my ADD is not too bad, <laughs> so I was really unperturbed by this young man standing up while I was preaching. In fact, to be honest, I like people to stand up while I'm preaching. Come on, especially if they stand up and make the you're preaching good face. Come on, you know that you're preaching good face. It is synonymous with the constipated face, but <laughs> it's that face when the preacher's preaching real good that you are just compelled to get up and go. I like that. So. Just kept preaching, just kept preaching. But then all of a sudden, I noticed in the middle of my sermon, this young man comes down his row and starts coming full speed towards the altar in the middle of my message. Now, I would have thought that like a Billy Graham or a Benny Hinn anointing was on me if the young man was coming towards the altar with his hands lifted, tears coming down his face saying, Ah, oh, Jesus, I need you. But that's not how he was coming towards the altar. He was coming towards the altar in the middle of my message with one hand in his pocket. I don't know if I told you, I'm in Fort Smith, Arkansas. <laughs> Ain't a whole lot of chocolate people in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And a young man is coming full speed towards the altar, one hand in his pocket. I immediately looked to my father, who was with me at the time, who serves as my prayer covering, but most importantly, my bodyguard. And, uh, and he is nowhere to be found. So I'm thinking, he's fired. This is messed up. I'm about to die in Fort Smith, Arkansas, preaching the gospel. He gets all the way to the altar, and I can feel him staring at me while I'm preaching. And as he's staring at me, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I fought the good fight. 
I finished the race. Come on, at least I'm going out preaching. This is awesome. This is going to be on CNN, TBN, ABC, HIJK, Elemental P. Black man shot in Fort Smith, Arkansas, declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, this is awesome. Just kept preaching. And then all of a sudden, I, I made eye contact with the young man. And I noticed tears are streaming down his face. All of a sudden, he takes his hand out of his pocket. To my shock, it was not a gun, <laughs> wasn't a knife, wasn't a hand grenade. <laughs> it's actually drug paraphernalia. The young man throws the drugs down at the altar in the middle of my message. And then he starts screaming at the top of his lungs, God, I'm tired. God, I'm tired of fighting you. I give up. I surrender. It's in that moment I stopped preaching. Went over to the young man, I laid my hand on him, I prayed for him. I said, God, I thank you that this is a destiny moment. And from this moment forward, this stronghold is broken off of his life. And he's moving forward into his destiny. As I, as I started praying for the young man, all of a sudden more young people started coming to the altar. In the middle of my message, without anybody saying, bow your head, count to three, do the hokey pokey. They just started coming to the altar in the middle of my message. I called the young man up on stage. I said, uh, I said, what's your name? He said, my name is Bill. <laughs> Fort Smith, Arkansas. And I said, Bill, what in the world possessed you to get out of your seat and come to the altar in the middle of my message? He said, well, the whole time you were preaching, my heart was beating out of my chest. He said, I'm tired of being addicted to these drugs and wrestling with God. I need him to set me free. I said, Bill, I got the strange suspicion you're not the only person in this room that's been at war with God. I said, Bill, would you do me a favor? Would you pray for that person that's still in their seat and hasn't responded to the call of God on their life? His eyes got real big. He said, you want me to pray? <laughs> I said, yeah, Bill, I want you to pray. And Bill prayed the most jacked up <laughs> but powerful prayer I've ever heard in my life. As he started praying. More young people started coming to the altar, and in that service, over a hundred young people made a decision to make Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Now, you, you got to understand, I, I, I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. If you're new to church, that's just a fancy word. That means I love to see people respond to Jesus and get saved. So when I got back to the hotel room that night, I'm throwing pillows in the air. I'm dancing. I'm like, take that devil, take that devil. Oh, the evangelist in me was so excited about Bill's salvation. But the pastor in me pondered what would be the process of Bill's liberation. Let me just offer as an embryonic thesis that there is a difference between salvation and liberation. There is a difference between making a decision and becoming a disciple. There is a difference between the miracle of what occurs in a moment and the miracle of what will occur with mileage. And I found more often than not in the body of Christ, we get real excited about the moments. Oh, we love the moments. We love the moments where we got the awesome service and our favorite worship song is playing and tears is going one way and snot is going the other way. Oh, we love the moments. We love when we hear a good sermon and we have to get out of our seat and we were compelled to come to the altar. But we fail to remember that once you get off of that altar, you're going to have to make daily decisions that will alter your life and push you into the place that God has for you. Woo! You got to have more than just a moment. 
often it is a process to become who God has called you to be. Now, before you think I'm hating, I'm not hating. I'm celebrating because you need the moments. You are. You need the moments in the presence of God. I'm so glad that you decided to come to awakening these nights. This is like Red Bull for your spirit. This is like steroids for your faith. You need the moments. The moments are powerful. As a matter of fact, our faith is predicated on the fact that God can change you in a moment. In a moment. You, you, you understand Christianity is distinctly different from any other religion in the world. In other religions, you can get converted, but it means something totally different. It means you use the resources of the religion to go through different stages and different levels. And in other religions, it's not till after you die to find out what your reward is. Christianity says something totally different. It says there can be a single moment in your life where once you had no hope, once you had no peace, once you had no life, once you had no joy, once you were a victim, once you were under a curse, and in one moment as soon as your faith has a cataclysmic encounter with God's grace how many are thankful you ain't got to wait till after you die to find out what your reward is you can know now that you've been accepted you can know now that you've been redeemed you can know now that your sins have been washed away Ooh, come on somebody you ought to just give God some praise like you know he can bring you the victory right now I feel like preaching now. He can do it right now. Come on, somebody just shout now. That's when God is able to bring the victory in your life. You don't have to put your liberty on layaway or on hold because God can give you a breakthrough and he can give it to you right now. Right now, that's, that's why... That's why I love verses like John chapter 5, verse 24. I want you to see this. John chapter 5, verse 24. This is Jesus talking. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Not will have, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Ooh, that's good stuff right there. I don't do drugs. I do scripture. That is awesome. Has crossed over. From death to life. I, I love that verse because that verse, like some other verses in the New Testament, is actually pointing back to something that happened in Exodus 14. That, that word crossed over is pointing back to something that happened in Exodus 14 that scholars tell us is the clearest biblical picture of what happens when you give your life to Jesus. Something that happened in Exodus 14 that is one of the clearest biblical pictures of salvation. As a matter of fact, if you're a believer, you should just read Exodus 14 every day just for fun. Just read Exodus 14. If you don't want to read it, then just watch the movie. Okay, watch the movie. You can go old school, Ten Commandments with Charlton Hester, or, or, you, can do, or you can do new school and watch the Bible series. And here's the part you need to watch. Watch the children of Israel walking out of Egypt and through the Red Sea that's been split. Just watch them walk through. Rewind it, 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 watch them walk through. But close your eyes when you rewind it, though. Close your eyes when you rewind it, okay? Because you won't see anybody backslide, okay? You don't need that on your conscience. Just watch them walk through the Red Sea because watch this. That is one of the clearest biblical pictures of what happens when you put your faith in Jesus. Because watch this. For 400 years, 400 years, 400 years, that's a long time. For 400 years, they were in slavery. For 400 years, they were in bondage. And in one night, 
They go from being slaves to being saved in one night. They go from singing songs of sorrow to singing songs of joy in one night. They go from being victims to understanding they are victors in one night after 400 years. How dare you have the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated gall to say, well, Robert, I don't know if God can bring me out of this stronghold. I mean, it's been so long. Has it been 400 years? Come on. How many of you know that there is no stronghold on your life that God cannot break you free from? He can do it in one night. Come on, somebody ought to just give God some praise. Like, you know, this is your night to get the thing that you've been believing God for. He can do it in one night. After 400 years, in one night, every single one of them got the victory. So, so we have to ask ourselves as critical thinkers, what was the cause agent? What was the impetus of their emancipation? You will first note, it was not their morality. It wasn't like God came down with the Ten Commandments before he split the Red Sea and said, hey, do you solemnly swear to keep all these commandments? Otherwise, I'm not going to split this water. Do you promise? You better put your hand up. This water is cold. Do you promise? <laughs> Had nothing to do with their morality. So forget this idea of I got to get myself together before I come to God. No, you just come to him just like you are, broken, imperfect, and say, God, here I am. <laughs> Had nothing to do with their morality. It didn't even have anything to do with their level of faith. Because come on, you got a lot of people walking through this Red Sea, so you got different levels of faith. I can see some people who are walking through with great faith, talking about, I knew God was going to bring us out. I knew we were going to get the victory. I told y'all he had sovereign swag. I knew we were going to get the victory. I mean, they were walking through with great faith. And you know there were some people who were walking through who had little faith, and they were straight up scared. Talking about, oh, Lord, we going to die. Moses, don't drop your hand, man. I can't swim. <laughs> He didn't, even, he didn't even save them according to the level of faith. So then why did he save them? Because they had been crying out to a God that they had heard about but hadn't personally experienced. And that God responded not to their deeds but to their need. He responded to their need. Can I tell you? If you have a need in this place tonight, you came to the right place. If you have a need, you are a candidate for a breakthrough and a miracle from God because he responded to their cry and brought them out and got them the victory. Are you bored yet? Okay. Because I, I, I love this passage because it's an Old Testament passage. It's an Old Testament passage. And uh, you, you cannot approach this story like it's just a cute Sunday school story, okay? Uh, you, you have to read it uh, with some Christocentric cognizance. Uh, just a fancy way to say you got to see Jesus all up in the text. Because, uh, you know, the Old Testament is simply a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. It's just a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. For example, uh, those of you on the front row, can y'all kind of see my shadow? that's being cast on the stage. Can y'all see my shadow? How many of you know my shadow has to do what I do? If I lift up my hand, my shadow better lift up his hand. If I start dancing, my shadow better dance, okay? If I start dancing and my shadow goes, y'all gotta find another preacher, okay? I am dropping the mic and running out the room. Okay, my shadow must do what I do. My shadow is proof positive of two things. Number one, I am real. <laughs> Not a ghost preaching to you tonight. And there is a light in the room. <laughs> Jesus stood in the light of who he is. It cast a shadow, which is simply the Old Testament. It's just a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. How many know when you look at my shadow, you cannot get distinctive features? 
You can't look at my shadow and know my hair color. You can't look at my shadow and know my eye color. You know why? It's just a shadow. That's why you, when you read about different individuals in the Old Testament who do exploits for God, they are not Jesus, but they're just giving you a preview of a coming attraction. They're just setting up what he's going to do in the New Testament. So with that in mind, we understand the children of Israel become a shadow and a type of the church and the believer. Pharaoh becomes a shadow of Satan. Egypt becomes a shadow of sin, which is why Pharaoh wants them to stay there. Moses becomes a shadow and a picture of Christ because he was born for no other reason than to bring salvation, deliverance, and liberty for every single person. Is anybody getting this tonight? It's just a shadow of which Christ is the reality. The Old Testament Passover where they would take an innocent lamb, kill that lamb, back kill that lamb and then sprinkle the blood of the lamb on a wooden doorpost so when the death angel saw the blood of the lamb it would pass over the house that's just giving you a preview of another lamb who's going to be killed but his blood will not be shed on a wooden doorpost it's going to be shed on a wooden cross so when I identify with the cross of Jesus Christ death has to pass over my life sickness has to pass over my life disease has to pass over my life because of his finished work on the cross I feel like preaching tonight. It's just a shadow. The Red Sea now becomes a shadow and a picture of baptism. By the way, if you've given your life to Christ in this, in this awakening nights or you haven't ever got baptized, this Sunday is your Sunday. Get baptized because the Red Sea is a picture of baptism. It's saying when I go through this water, the old me is in Egypt, but the new me is coming out of the water, stepping into the promise and the place that God has for me. It's just a shadow. Now, if that doesn't make you praise God, something is wrong with you for real, though. <laughs> because that's what the children of Israel did. As soon as they looked back and they saw Pharaoh and all of his horses and all of his men drown in the sea, they started praising God. They erupted in praise. It's actually the first recorded praise and worship song. They just started praising God when they knew that they had the victory. See, that's why I can always tell people in the service who are fully convinced that God has brought them out of something. You can always tell the people, because those people, they don't need a praise and worship leader. They don't need anybody to say, come on, let's press in. Can we just lift up? No, no, no. They just need a flashback of where they could be and where they should be if it had not been for the grace of God. And all of a sudden, praise will just erupt from the inside of them. Come on, is there anybody in here tonight that knows that God has brought you out of something? Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Because I know, I know, I know what he's brought me out of. So I have to give him praise. All of Pharaoh's horses and all of his men drown in the water. But hear me. Once, once the euphoria of their emancipation had eradicated. Once... The thrill was gone. Once the awakening nights were over, they're now faced with the question that you always have to ask yourself anytime you had an encounter with God. And that question is this. Who am I now? Who am I now? I know I'm no longer a slave, but now I've been saved. But how in the world do I walk in that? When I've been a slave for so long, say it another way, I know I'm out of Egypt, 
but how do I get Egypt out of me? <laughs> See, this is what a lot of church people don't like to deal with. They don't like to deal with the fact that you could be out of Egypt, but not have Egypt out of you. And when you're out of Egypt, but Egypt is not out of you, it is frustrating. <laughs> it is exasperating. It makes you feel like you're schizophrenic <laughs> because you know you had an encounter with God. Come on, anybody know you met with God over these awakening nights? You know you had an encounter with God, but you still got some Egypt behavior. <laughs> you still got some Egypt mentality. Come on, this, this is when you start making what I call if I, then why statements. Have you ever made an if I, then why statement? It's like, if I have the peace of God, then why am I so stressed out? It's like, if I have Jehovah Jireh, my provider, hey, Lord, then why is my money funny, my change is strange, I got more bills than I got income, and nobody will call me back after a job interview. Come on, have you ever made an if I, then why statement? Come on, it's like, if I have the mind of Christ, then why do I have things come to my mind that I know Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the angels, and the wise men will not be thinking about? Come on. It is indicative of the fact that you're out of Egypt, but Egypt is not yet out of you. What a lot of people don't understand about Christianity, please don't miss this, is that initially Christianity is a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Ooh, that was so good. I'm going to rewind it you, give it to you again. <laughs> initially, initially, Christianity is a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Watch this. The children of Israel, God takes them out of Egypt immediately. Whoosh, their status changed. I'm not a slave. Whoosh, I'm now saved. The challenge before they step into the promised land is how do I get my behavior to come into alignment with the status that Christ has procured for me? And ladies and gentlemen, that is a process. It is a process every single day. And I just felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to tell somebody, don't give up in the process. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. He who began a good work in you shall be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Just keep walking. It is a process to become who God has called you to be. Can you give God some praise while I get a drink of water real quick? It's a process. Can I tell you part of the reason it's a process and, and I'm almost done? Uh, actually, I totally forgot to tell you this at the beginning. Pastor Stovall, I, I apologize for this. I let this slip. I did not tell you this at the beginning. I don't know whether you noticed or not. I am African-American. <laughs> did you know that? I don't want that to slip by you, okay? Um, in fact, I'm probably one of the realest African-Americans you will ever see in your entire life, okay? Like I know some people say they are. I am for real African-American, okay? Like you should take a picture. <laughs> I'm for real, I'm for real, okay? I think it's in Guinness. Okay, I'm for real African-American. Here's why. My father who's here with me tonight, he's from Nigeria. He's from Nigeria, okay? Uh, 30 plus years ago, 30 plus years ago, he came to America like Eddie Murphy, he came to America. He met my mom, who is American, 
along who's American, okay? So when your father's African and your mother's American, that makes you out of smart class, okay? I'm African-American, okay? <laughs> so my, my dad, when he came to this, I think it's like, what, 30, uh, 36 years now, he's been a citizen of the United States, citizen of the United States, all right? Now, when my dad first came to the, these United States of America, he was not a citizen. He had to apply for citizenship, okay? He applied for citizenship. Uh, I don't know what happened. I think they did an interview, asked him a litany of questions. They put a stamp on his forehead. I don't know what happened. <laughs> When it was all said and done, they said, okay, you are now a United States citizen, okay? But how many of you know, after being deemed a United States citizen, he did not wake up the next morning and go, hello. My name is Robert Madu Sr. We got the same name. And I am now a United States citizen. How many know it did not go down like that, okay? <laughs> no citizenship going to change that accent, all right? If anything, if anything, he woke up the next morning and went, Hello, <laughs> my name is Robert Madu Senior, and I am a United States citizen, okay? Went more like that, okay? <laughs> so my dad, United States citizen, still has the accent. Not only that, my dad was United States citizen. He had never had pizza before. Never had pizza before. Somebody said, you want pizza? He goes, what is that? <laughs> I don't know pizza. I know goat. I know chicken. I don't know pizza. What are you talking? United States citizen has never had pizza before. My dad was a United States citizen. He had never seen football before, American football. He's watching the screen going, what are these idiots doing? <laughs> this is not football. The football I know, uh, you take a ball and you kick it with your foot. This is not football. United States citizen has never seen football before. Not only that, my dad was United States citizen. He had never seen snow before. Never seen snow. Some of you are shocked. Have you been to Africa? <laughs> He's never seen snow before, and because he never saw snow before, true story, he thought if snow landed on you, it would hurt you, okay? He thought it was acidic or something, and of all places, people, I can't make this up, of all places, he lands in New York City in the wintertime. <laughs> so this is my dad walking through New York as snow is coming to, oh my goodness, don't let it hit me, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. United States citizen has never seen snow before, okay? Now, <laughs> you laugh. You laugh, but that was 30 plus years ago. 30 plus years ago. Today, woo, he knows more about football than I do. He'll be at my house watching the game going, oh my goodness, that is a catch. That is a catch. The Dallas Cowboys should be in the Super Bowl because that is a catch. This is ridiculous. He knows about football now. He'll get so worked up watching the game. He'll go, son, I can't watch this. Order me some pizza. <laughs> he knows about pizza now. Come on. We had an ice storm not too long ago come through Dallas, an ice storm come through Dallas. My dad, because he's the greatest man of God I know and such a servant, he is outside not only shoveling the ice on his driveway, he's shoveling the ice on everybody's driveway on the street saying, oh, I don't want anybody to fall. I don't want them to get hurt. Watch this. He's shoveling something that he used to be afraid of. See, the enemy loves to come into your mind and make you doubt your citizenship in the kingdom of God just because there's areas of weakness in your life. But that's when you need to talk back to the devil and say, I am still a citizen of the kingdom of God. I might be weak in this area, but his strength is made perfect in my weakness and sooner or later. 
I'm going to step in the fullness of what God has for me. Come on, I need some citizens of the kingdom of God to just give them some praise in this place. You are still a citizen. Come on, some of you need to shake off the words of other people who've been telling you you're not a citizen. You are still a citizen in the kingdom of God. You're not perfect, but you are in the perfection process. And sooner or later, I'm going to become who he saw when he called me. And it is a process to step into the effulgence of what God has for you. And this is why, this is why God has to take the children of Israel through the wilderness. Because the wilderness is the place where he's got to get Egypt out of them. <laughs> and I just want to stop and thank God for taking them through the wilderness and just being patient because you do know he could have star tracked them straight from Egypt into the promised land. He said, no, I'm going to take you through the wilderness and get Egypt out of you before you mess up what I have for you in the promise. Some of you in here, you've been going through a wilderness season and it's annoying. <laughs> And it's frustrating because, come on, never in the Genesis account do we see God going, let there be wilderness. <laughs> There's no resources in the wilderness. It's dry. But I found out God will take you through a wilderness season because he's trying to show you that he's your source. And he is the only thing that you need. And if you'll just trust him in the wilderness, he'll get Egypt out of you. As, as the worship team joins me. To play on the piano. He, he takes them to the wilderness. And if we had more time, I would tell you about all the miracles he did in the wilderness because he did some miracles in the wilderness. Woo! He did some signs that will make you wonder, okay? People, Moses hits a rock. Fiji water starts coming out of a rock, okay? He did supernatural miracles. But, but Panera bread just starts falling <laughs> from the sky. Supernatural miracles. I mean, they're walking through the wilderness. The Bible says their clothes never wore out. Their clothes, I'm thinking, God, they're in the wilderness. Nobody's looking at them. He said, no, I still want them looking fresh and clean. Come on, ladies, that's scripture for shopping. I'm just saying, just saying. He was their GPS system, their God positioning system. It's a cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, guided them the whole way. You would think, after all of the miracles he did, you would think after bringing them out of the abuse and the chains of Egypt, after providing for them, you would think every day they would have gotten up and said, God, thank you so much for bringing us the victory. God, thank you so much for giving us freedom. But that's not what they did. The Bible says one day they said, Lord, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to slavery. What? What in the world would make somebody cry out to go back to the thing that they cried out to get out of? And before you laugh at the children of Israel, can you do me a favor and check yourself before you wreck yourself? Because what makes us go back? What, what makes the alcoholic who's seen alcohol single-handedly destroy his family, what makes him go back to the bottle? What, what, what makes 
the couple who sing God do a work in your marriage and it's, it's good for a little while before you know it you're throwing TVs and it's WWF again what, what, what makes us go back what makes the person that gets a financial breakthrough a miracle and get cleared out of debt and before you know it you got more debt than you had than the first time what makes us go back it's what I call the frustration of freedom sometimes freedom can be frustrating because it's so easy to go back to what is familiar than it is to walk by faith. It's so much easier to go back to what you've always known than to say, God, I'm going to trust you for what's ahead. But God sent me on assignment from Dallas, Texas to tell somebody tonight that after this awakening night, this is God's moment to build you the strength and the grace to just keep walking. That you cannot go back to what is familiar. You just got to keep walking by faith. Come on, even when these nights are over, he's going to give you supernatural strength and grace to just keep walking because there is greater in front of you than what's been behind you. Your destiny is so much bigger than your history so you gotta just keep walking even when you don't feel like it just keep walking even when these nights are over just keep walking you can't go back because there's greater in front of you than what's been behind you that's the sermon in the sentence it's really to just keep walking because your destiny so much greater than your history. I'll, uh, I'll land with this. But uh, I'll never forget hearing the story of uh, this police dog. This police dog specialized in high-speed chases. Whenever they were going after a suspect, they would send this dog. And one day this dog is chasing a suspect and goes out in the middle of a busy intersection cars flying by phew, 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 phew. car didn't see the dog come out car slammed on its brakes but it was too late the car hits the dog the impact was so intense that the car completely crushed the dog's hind legs the dog survived the accident the accident affected its walk it caused the dog to walk by flailing its front legs in front and dragging its hind legs behind. Flail its front legs in front, drag its hind legs behind. Come to find out when the dog got hit by the car, it was pregnant with puppies. The dog gave birth to the puppies. Puppies were healthy, beautiful. Nothing wrong with the puppy's legs. But when the puppies got ready to walk, Guess how they walked? By flailing their front legs in front and dragging their hind legs behind. And the veterinarians had the hardest time trying to get these puppies to realize, hello, there's nothing wrong with your legs. You've just been walking out the dysfunction that was modeled in front of you. So the veterinarian began the process 
of teaching these puppies how to walk the way they were created to walk teaching these puppies to walk the way they were designed to walk teaching these puppies to walk the way their creator intended for them to walk come on do you think you set aside these 21 days for nothing do you think you just came to these nights to hear Christian karaoke and hear some preachers preach no every time you come in the house of God every time you hear this word and apply the word every time you lift up your hands in worship do you know what God doing he's teaching you how to walk the way you were created to walk teaching you how to walk the way he meant for you to walk come on is there anybody at celebration that says God I am ready to just keep walking I'm not going back to last year or the pain of my past but I'm going to just keep walking into my purpose into my destiny into my future just keep walking Come on, somebody give God some praise all over this place today. Come on, give him some praise. If you know he's your cornerstone, he is the one that's going to give you the strength to just keep walking. Come on, can we just declare he's our cornerstone? Come on, can we just begin to worship him right where we are? Come on, he is Christ alone. Cornerstone. Sing it like you see yourself walking. See it like you see yourself moving. Hallelujah. He is Lord. We're going to keep walking. Come on, every voice, let's declare it. Christ alone. Christ alone. tonight that you're giving us supernatural strength and grace to just keep walking God when these awakening nights are over we're going to just keep walking God we're not going back to what is familiar we're going to walk by faith and trust you for what's ahead hallelujah I'm just going to ask in this moment every head be bowed and Every eye be closed. Now the children of Israel, they were, they were sick of the manna, which is the bread that came down from heaven. And they didn't even realize the thing they thought they were sick of was the thing they needed. 
Because in John chapter 6, Jesus is talking to some people who are questioning his ministry. They said, hey, we know Moses was real because of the manna, the bread that came down from heaven. And Jesus says, hey, guess what? I am that bread that came down from heaven. So when the children of Israel were rejecting the bread, they were saying, Jesus, you're not enough. And I just decree and declare over this house and over you tonight, this is going to be the year where you get the revelation that Jesus is enough. Come on, that Jesus plus nothing equals absolutely everything. Everything. He's our cornerstone. Heads bowed, eyes closed all over this house today. If you're in here tonight and you say, you know what? Pastor Robert, I just need supernatural strength and grace to just keep walking. Some of you, even while you've been in this fast, it seems like the attack from the enemy has just intensified. The voice of the enemy has been so loud. But you're saying, I just need strength and grace to just keep walking. I believe God's going to give that to you tonight. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand all over this place today? Say, that's me. This just been going through so much here in the enemy in my ear, trying to get me to go back, back to an addiction, back to a relationship. You just need supernatural strength and grace to just keep walking. Just lift your hand up. Put it right back down. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed. If you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor Robert, if, if I do some introspection and look at my life, I haven't even taken that first step, which is to leave Egypt. Egypt represents sin. It represents doing life on your own. You've been here tonight and you say, you know what, I've, I've never even taken that first step, which is to say, I, I got to leave Egypt behind. I am disconnected from God. And today, I got to give all that I am to him. I don't know, maybe there was a season in your life you were going after the things of God, but you started to, to go back. But if that's you tonight, you say, you know what, I need to leave Egypt behind and surrender my life to him. Come on, if that's you, I don't care if it's just one person. Would you just lift up your hand and say, that's me, that's me. Just lift it up. Lift it up. Yeah. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Yeah. This is your moment. Come on, that's why you had to be here tonight. Anybody else say, that's me, that's me. Here's what I'm going to ask. Just in this moment, this is it's not to embarrass you. This isn't even an embarrassing thing. This is an awesome thing. I just believe that there's things that we do in the natural that are a picture of what God's doing in the supernatural. So come on, if that's you that lifted up your hand the second time, or you should have lifted up your hand, say, you know, that's me. I got to leave Egypt behind, surrender my life to him. When I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to be so bold and so brave, and I'm just going to ask you to get out of your seat and come find a place here at this altar. And do you know what I believe? I believe as you walk down whatever aisle you walk down, that is your Red Sea that has been split for you. That is your Red Sea. This is your moment. You are walking into the place God has prepared for you. Come on, when I count to three, one, this is your moment. Two, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Three, come on, if that's you, just come right now. Come on. Come on. From the back to the front, wherever you are, come on. Come on. Come on, church. Let's encourage those that are coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm leaving Egypt behind. 
I'm stepping forward. Come on, that's why you had to be here tonight. Come on. Wherever you are, come on. Hallelujah. Christ alone. Come on, church, let's encourage those that are coming. He's our cornerstone. In the Savior's love. so powerful everybody come down then one one more this little girl got up somewhere up there in the balcony I think her name was church yeah remember, yeah that her, her she come on is this one more this two more this three more four more come on right here is there, is there one you know, always, you know, Robert, you know, I always, always think about the one more because in all those parables, you know, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, it was, it was about the one. Come on, one more right here. Come on down. It was about the one. awesome Pastor Robert go ahead go ahead and lead them in, in prayer those who at this altar you can just stay right where you are but can you just just right where you are just lift up your hands in fact can we all do it all over this place why am I doing that I just think that's the international sign of surrender surrender even somebody that's watching online you don't even know why you tuned in but right where you are this is for you too if you know I gotta leave Egypt behind I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. I'm going to give you the words. Do you say it from your heart? Can we all say it as a family, especially those of 
you who responded, just say, Dear Jesus, thank you so much for dying on a cross, getting up from the grave for me. Lord, I know you lived the life that I should have lived. You died the death that I should have died. I cannot do life without you. I need you. I repent of my sin. Make me brand new from this moment forward. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God some praise all over this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.